Good morning, everyone. From my side, a warm welcome to our service. If you don't know me, my name is Louis, and I've got the privilege of leading Prado Church. And um, I'm so glad that we get to continue our series on the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's called Power Up with the Gift of the Spirit. Now, before we get to today's topic, who in this building, and if you're watching online, just type a comment to us and let us know, but who in this building is a gift giver? You love giving gifts, and you probably also love receiving them, but if I ask that, like only two of you are going to raise your hands. Okay, so let me see again. Who's a gifts person? Okay, there's a whole bunch of you. Now, there's five love languages, if you've ever heard of them. There's five ways we experience love, and one of them are gifts. But what's interesting, whenever I've done this with the group, no one ever says that they have the love language of gifts because they feel like they're going to be materialistic or something. But then I always ask, I always do this. I'm like, okay, now spouses, who of your partners, who, whose spouse has the, has the love language of gifts? And then the hands goes up. And I'm like, ah, now we get to the truth, right? But here's the thing about gifts. I grew up in a house where it wasn't super important, but I've got a wife whose love language is, um, whose love language is, is gifts. So I had to learn to really appreciate it and to give her gifts in the right way. But this is what I've learned, not only from having a wife whose love language is that, but I've also learned it from my own experience, that all gifts are not created equal. Okay, now let me tell you what I mean by that. Today, if you ask me, Louis, what can I get you for your birthday or for Christmas, I'm going to tell you I need some form of clothing, so just get me that. But let's be honest, if you're in school... The most horrible gift your parents can give you is clothes, right? You're like, no, that's the stuff you have to buy me because I'm your child. Like, for my birthday, I want something cool. I want a computer game. I want a Skylectric set, whatever it might be. But do not give me clothes. They're not equal in the mind of a child. What about a gift card? Who of you hates gift cards? Like, a lot of us don't really like them. Some people are like, yes, it's good because now I've got money to buy stuff. Other people are like, a gift card is not a gift. If you want to give me a gift, go and figure out what I need and go and put in the effort and get me something, right? Don't just give me some money. So all gifts are not created equal. Or a card off the shelf that you buy in CNA. I just did some free marketing for them since they are in trouble. So a card you buy off the shelf from CNA and a homemade card that someone made themselves that's not the same thing. So all gifts are not created equal. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our topic today is the uniqueness of a gift. And Engelai, it seems like my presenter is not working, so you'll have to do the slides for me, please. The uniqueness of a gift, that is our topic today. And I'll quickly want to recap what we've learned about the gifts, because we said this is not um, about the tradition you grew up in and your view of the gifts. What we want to do is we want to dig into the Bible, and we want to say, what does the Bible teach us? So the first question we spoke about in week one is, does the gift of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts, still exist? And we said, yes, it was given for the church. Why do we not always see it the way we're supposed to? Because we learn in the Bible that we can quench the working of the Spirit in our life because of a lack of faith, because of sin, and because of not wanting more of Him in our lives. But then Milo helped us 
last week in our second topic to, to realize this, that they were given for a purpose. We all receive a gift and they are given for a purpose. What's the purpose? God gave it to build up his church, so we have to use it. And he gave it to bring glory to Jesus. It points to Jesus. But we also learned that the gifts are worth nothing if we do not use them in love. So that was last week. And today what we're going to do is we're going to clarify the uniqueness of a spiritual gift. Because there are things that we might believe is a spiritual gift, but it's not a gift. So before next week we dig into the spiritual gifts, the details of it, what we want to do today is we kind of want to create some boundaries for us to know when we're in this boundary, we're talking about a spiritual gift. When we're outside of that, we're not talking about a spiritual gift. And what we're going to do today is we're going to read from Acts 4. So last week, Pastor Milo read us a scripture where Peter goes to a man that is crippled. If you miss this, it's on Spotify, on iTunes, on YouTube, on Facebook. You can go and catch up on the message. But they go to this crippled man. He's asking them for money. And instead of giving them money, they say, we don't have money. But what we do have is this, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And guess what happens? The man stand up. He walks. So he walks around. This guy was crippled his whole life. People see it. People are going crazy about this. Why is this man walking? He goes, they, they go to the temple. The religious leaders see this, and they decide they're going to arrest these disciples of Jesus because they are telling everyone that Jesus is alive. And what did the Jews not want? They didn't want anyone to know that Jesus is alive. So they arrest them, and this is what happens. We're going to read the story of the arrest today. In Acts 4, from verse 5 to 10, and at the end we're going to read the last part of this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Acts 4, verse 5. The next day, after they were arrested, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That's the way we're going to read. Last week, Mala also quoted a scripture from 1 Corinthians 12 at the beginning where Paul says, regarding the gifts, I want you to not be uninformed. It's like there's a spiritual gifts that God gives us, and we need to have knowledge. We need to have information about it. And Peter tells the people the same thing when he's in court being judged for a good deed for healing someone. He says, I want to clearly state something to you. I want to give you details about what happened that you need to understand. And what Peter is telling them is that what they saw is not human ability. It is not normal. It is not medicine, it is not science, it is not sorcery, 
Because just a couple of chapters later, I think in chapter 8, we read about a sorcerer that also did amazing things. And then when he learns about the Holy Spirit, he starts following the disciples around. So he's like, this is not something normal. This is not because I have studied and I know how to heal someone. This is something unique that can only happen because of Jesus. That's why today we're going to talk about the nature of the gifts, because we need to clearly know what it is so that we don't confuse the wrong stuff for gifts. But before we head into a couple of details, I wanted to give you some definitions of the words that we get in the Greek New Testament for, that we use as the spiritual gifts. So these three words that we find in the Greek New Testament that, 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 that's used for the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, where Paul says, I want you to not be uninformed about the gift, we get a Greek word, pneumatikon. And that means the realm of the spiritual, or things belonging to the Spirit. So he says, I want you to be informed about the realm of the Holy Spirit, about the things that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's the one word we get um, that refers to the spiritual gifts, so the realm of the Spirit. The second word in the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, what he uses is the word that most of you have probably heard if you grew up in church, and that is the word coming from charisma. He uses the word charisma twin. That literally means a free gift, undeserved favor, or a gift of grace. So not only the word gift, but there's an attachment to it when he uses the word charisma, and that is that this is something we do not deserve, a gift that comes from the grace of God. And then the third word we find in the New Testament, especially like in Ephesians 4, is the word duomata, and that literally translated just as gift. So we've get, we have three words that teaches us something about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this is what I get from it. A spiritual gift is not from our human ability. That's what Paul, what Peter told the people. He's like, there's something unique about it. It comes from one place. It comes from Jesus. It is from the realm of the spiritual. The second word that we hear is that this is not something we can deserve. It's not something we can earn. It is grace that gives it to us. Just as Jesus died and he gives us grace that forgives us sin, we do not earn it. We do not deserve the gifts. It is a gift that God gives us because he loves us, because he cares about us. And what I learned from the third word, just the gift, a gift cannot be bought. Then it's not a gift. A gift needs to be given to you. It cannot be earned. You just give it because someone cares about you. So this is not something we can learn. You cannot learn a spiritual gift. You cannot earn a spiritual gift. God gives it to us from his spiritual realm. It's not from this earth. He gives it to us because he loves us, because he has grace with us. So that's the three words that we find that defines it for us. But what I want to do for the rest of the message is I want to look at three things that are really good things, but that are not spiritual gifts. And as we look at those three things, it will help us to figure out what a spiritual gift is what it is about. So it will help us to set the parameters for a spiritual gift. So if you're not a Christian, as I said in the first week, this is a family talk, okay, because we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but it will help you to understand something about what we believe about God and about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at three things today 
that we shouldn't confuse a spiritual gift with. The first thing that's a good thing, but that's not a spiritual gift, is our natural talents. A natural talent is not a spiritual gift. Talents are common to all people. Every single person on planet Earth has a talent. Whether that's running really fast, whether that's jumping really high, whether it's playing an instrument, having a photographic memory, being able to cook really well, we all have natural talents. They are unique to all people. They are common to all people, while the spiritual gifts is not common to all people. We read in the Bible that they are unique to believers. Only if you have the Holy Spirit will He give you a spiritual gift. Talents are for self-realization. It's about fulfilling our own potential. God gave each of us a potential, and the talents that we have help us to achieve our human potential. While the spiritual gifts are not about self-fulfillment, they're not about achieving my human potential, they are about glorifying God. When we build up the church, it's about glorifying God. When someone is healed, it's about glorifying God. So both gifts and talents are God-given. Don't get me wrong. We call that the common grace of God. Whether you're a believer or not, His grace, His common grace is on all of us. He gives all of us unique and beautiful talents. But your talent is not your gift. They could align. You might be really good with administration, and you could have the gift of administration, but they're not the same thing. Gift is common to all people, a a talent. A spiritual gift is unique to believers. The second thing that is not a spiritual gift is the fruit of the Spirit. So we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Let me read to you what the fruit of the Spirit is about. In Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, this is the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then I love this last sentence. There is no law against these things. No matter what country you go to, no matter what rules, no matter what laws, the one thing that every person in this world will have in common, they will say these are good things, they're not bad things. That's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. It is not a spiritual gift. It is a sign of Christian maturity. It's a visible characteristic of our Christian maturity. It is something we grow in. It is something we pray about, that we practice, that we try to excel in. It is something that every single Christian should have in their life. So each one of us should have love. Each one should have kindness and goodness and faithfulness. I don't have kindness and you've got goodness. We all have kindness. We all should have goodness. Where gifts are different, where all of us should have all the spiritual fruit, the gifts are unique to us. And this is what Paul illustrates. I thought about having like a skeleton on the stage here today to illustrate something of the body, and I forgot about it. But um, Paul uses this illustration of a body to tell us how the spiritual gifts work. And I want to read this to you from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 20. He says this, The body 
that's the body of Christ, the church, has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our, body has, our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but there's only one body. See, this is what He says. The fruit of the Spirit, all of us should have all of it, but the gifts are unique. So not all of us are going to speak in tongues. Not all of us are going to pray and someone is going to be healed. Not all of us have the gift of hospitality. Not all of us have the gift of giving. We are a body and it's like if all of us had the gift of tongues, we would be one mouth, just a big mouth. That's not a body, right? If all of us had the gift of giving, we would probably be the pocket. A body doesn't have a pocket. The pants have the pocket, but I'm just using the pocket. It's all I can think of. We'll be, we all be the pocket. It does, that's not a body, right? We, we different parts. One person is a finger. One is a hand. One is an arm. One is a mouth. So what God does is He looks at the whole church and He says, how do I put this group of people together to build my kingdom? You see, what Paul is teaching us is that your gift is not worth less than someone else's. If we're like, no, the brain is important, but I can do without a foot. I will have to jump around. My body is ineffective. For three months, I was without one proper leg because I got injured here at church. My body didn't function very well. All parts are equally important. All of them are needed. And what he's saying is if one part doesn't want to play its part, it cripples the body. So I always see it this way. If you think about someone that had a stroke, Often the stroke would lame the one side of the body. And this is what a church looks like. If God has equipped all of us with gifts, we form a body, but one part of the body, half of the body says, you know what, I'm going to sit in the pews on a Sunday, and I'm just going to be fed, and I'm not going to live out my gifts. This is what a, what a body looks like, a stroke victim. One half has to drag the other half with it. He says, all of us are needed. Each part is important. It is worthless to want gifts for the building up of the body of Christ if we do not love each other. See, because then you're not going to build the body. Then you're going to be like, I'm better or I'm not needed. But when we love each other, when we live with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then our gifts come into play and it starts to build each other up. So a gift is not a spiritual fruit. We all, need a spirit. we all need to have all the spiritual fruit. We need to work at it. Guys, it's not easy to always be kind, especially when the taxi, the fifth taxi, pushing in front of you, right? It's not easy to be gentle when you're in a queue and someone pushes you out of the way. It is not easy to love your enemy. But that is what God wants us to grow in. So that from that place of Christian maturity, we can serve with our gifts. The third thing, that's a good thing, but that's not a spiritual gift, is spiritual 
disciplines. Bible study, prayer, giving, hospitality. All of those are spiritual disciplines. The Bible tells us, listen, hospitality is not a choice. The first century church was known for their hospitality. They would receive people that no one else would receive. Giving is not a choice. It's something we do as a spiritual discipline. Why do we have spiritual disciplines? Because just like any other good discipline in life, it will help you grow. So we have disciplines to help us grow in our relationship with God, and therefore we prioritize it. But some of them does look similar. But let me tell you a couple of differences. We all have to share our faith. If you haven't told anyone about Jesus or you haven't invited them to church because you're like, but that's not my evangelism, isn't my spiritual gift, I want to tell you that you're missing the mark. Because the Bible tells us that as Christians, we are called to make disciples. Not me, we all are called to that. Every single one of us. But some of us, like myself, I have the gift of evangelism. It's a passion, it fills me with energy. Um, I'd love to do it, but we all need to share our faith. But some of us will have the gift of evangelism. We all have to host people well. When someone visits you, you make them a good cup of coffee like Milo makes Allison a cup of coffee. You don't go and sit on the couch and they sit with a dry mouth and they're like, what's going on? No, you show them the love of Jesus by making them a good cup of coffee. When a stranger walks through the door, you greet them with a smile on your face because hospitality is a spiritual discipline. It's something we choose to live out because we follow Jesus. But some people, like my wife, like Sermon, has the gift of hospitality. They can't help it, like Chris. Like, even if you have a bad day, they just make you feel good because they just receive you so well. They turn a frown upside down. They can't help it. It's built in by God. It's a spiritual gift. We all have to pray for people. The Bible says you have to pray for your leaders. That's me. That's Milo. That's our team leaders. That's our group leaders. You have to pray for our president. And all those politicians are leaders. I know you don't want to, but that's why we're in a crisis, because we're not praying for them enough. But some people have the gift of intercession, It's different. They will wake up 3 o'clock in the morning with a name in their mind, and they will continue to pray for that person for 10 years if need be, and they will not miss a beat because they've got the gift of intercession. We all have to give. It's a spiritual discipline. It teaches us to trust God more when we give. But some people have the gift of giving. Sadly, my wife, she wants to give everything we own away, and I'm a saver, so that, that clashes a bit. But she's got the gift of giving. So there's disciplines that we all need to practice, but then there are gifts that are different. And some of the administration gifts in those can seem like a spiritual discipline, but there is a distinction. All of these things are good. Disciplines are good. The fruit of the Spirit is good. Talents are good. God empowers us to live those things. But it's different to the spiritual gifts. Paul says the spiritual gifts comes from Jesus. It's in His name. It's not a discipline that we can just work on and get better at it. It is something that is directly empowered. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do something that is not normal. 
And hear what the rest of the story, how this goes. Acts 4 verse 13. The members of the council were amazed. So these guys, listen, they don't love Peter. They want to kill them, by the way. But they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since you could see the man who had been, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chambers and confirmed among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We cannot deny that they've performed a miraculous sign. And everyone in Jerusalem knows it. These guys with everything, with every bone in their body, they want to say, A miracle didn't happen because if a miracle happened, this Jesus that they believed was a false prophet was suddenly the living God that empowered His church. And with everything in them, they wanted to deny that Jesus is God. But they couldn't deny it because in front of them was standing a man that couldn't walk. There was no medicine. There was no help for this man except for the power of Jesus. But I want to show you what a gift is about. We read in verse 13, in the second part of it, in verse 13b, that the gifts of the disciples and the calling went hand in hand. They didn't have training for this. They didn't go to seminary. They don't have a master's degree in theology. They didn't get some form of special training that helped them to to diagnose a medical condition and figure out what the problem is. It says they had no training, but somehow something amazing happened. That is God. That's a spiritual gift. And I want to tell you that your spiritual gifts and your calling will go hand in hand. God is not going to give you a gift if He doesn't need you to use it. If He's given you a gift, He wants you to use it to make a difference. But God will also not call you for work that He doesn't equip you for. You see, these disciples couldn't equip themselves. There was no school to teach them. No supernatural school. No theological seminary. The only thing that equipped them was God. And if God has called you to do something in this world, He will equip you with His Holy Spirit to do that work. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's not going to call you to do something. When the disciples in Luke, Jesus tells them, when you appear before the courts, hire the best lawyer. No, it's not what he said. He said, when you appear before the courts, do not worry what you're going to say. Because why? Because he doesn't call us for something and leaves us high and dry. He equips us. He says, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Whatever God has called you for, He will equip you for. That is the nature of the spiritual gifts. He gives it so that you can flourish within His church, so that His church can flourish and grow. But this is the most magical part to me. Verse 13, the last part, verse 13c, it says that they recognized these two men as men who had been with Jesus. 
something is different about them. You can't pinpoint it. It's not their training. It's not some form of sorcery like other people that we read about in Acts that try to to trick people. It's not an ability that they had. Something is different about these people that was unique to them. And even the people that wanted to deny that Jesus is God, even the people that tried to hide it by bribing people and asking people to tell lies about the resurrection of Christ, even these people that couldn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah could see that these disciples have been with Jesus. The spiritual gifts empower us. Gives us the ability to live out our purpose that God has called us for. But it also shows us that we've been with Jesus. Because the things that separate us from Jesus, the sin in our life, a lack of faith, the things we spoke about in the first week, not wanting more, that is a sign that we're not spending time with Jesus. That's a sign that there's distance between us and our Creator. And listen, you have no excuse for the distance between you and God, because Jesus has erased the distance between you and your Creator. That's why He died on a cross. The invitation is open for you to run into your Father's arms. Jesus is like, your sin has been forgiven. Your mistakes have been wiped away. There is nothing that's separating you from God. See, but when we are in the presence of Jesus, when all of the barriers that we put between God and us are removed, and His Spirit empowers us, it becomes visible to the world that something is different, that we have been with Jesus, and then no one can deny it. You see, people can, can try to contest a lot of stuff. They can say you believe a very old, archaic book but there's a lot of them. So how do you know the Bible is true? People can always have some form of argument about something. They can say the truth is subjective. There is so many arguments in the world that people can have, but the one thing that they cannot take away from you, the one thing that they cannot argue with you about is what God has done in your life and who you are. No one can argue with that. And that is why we want to be with Jesus, because no one can argue with the fact that we are different when we've been with Jesus. And at the end, no one could have denied that they performed a miraculous sign. Everyone in Jerusalem knew it. And then a couple of chapters later, a couple of verses later, we read that the church continued to grow because no one could deny who this Jesus is. So what's the boundaries of a spiritual gift? It's not just good things. It's not just the fruit of the Spirit or disciplines or talents. It's something beautiful. It's something from the spiritual realm, from the Holy Spirit Himself, empowered by Jesus, that He gives to us so that no one can deny who He is, so that no one can deny the God that we're following. A spiritual gift is a Spirit-given ability that enables each Christian to serve in the body of Christ with ease, with effectiveness, and with excitement so that Jesus can receive all the glory. So this week, here's my challenge for you. Spend time with Jesus. 
get in His presence. Because when you have been in His presence, the world will know it. Your work colleagues will know it. Your friends will know it. And here's the flip side. When you haven't been with Jesus, even though you say you've been with Him, the world will also know that. So let's, let's spend time with Him this week. If you don't know how to do that yet, I want to invite you to come and speak to us after the service, to me or to Milo. We would love to help you on this journey of following Jesus. It is a beautiful journey. It's not a place where we arrive at. Christianity is not a destination. It's a journey with Jesus. So we want to invite you to ask us, if you do not know how to do it, if you're online, send us a message. Send us a direct message. Send us an email. We would love to journey with you. But there's something so much greater waiting for you than your own human ability. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. You're the living God. You have conquered death. You have conquered sin. You have conquered our brokenness. In you, we find healing. In you, we find a restored relationship with our Father. In you, we start to live a life on purpose, a life so much greater than we could ever live in our own abilities. I pray, Jesus, that in this week, that we will move closer to you than we've ever been before. And I pray that as we get closer to you, that your spirit would work more powerfully through us. I pray that the world would watch your children and that they would see you in our lives, that they would see that we have been with Jesus. I pray that the city of Cape Town I pray that every house that this message airs in will not be able to deny Jesus any longer because the world has seen that we've been with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.